matter where you grew up, we all grew up in the same place, this America. The land of the free and the home of the brave. The land they handed down from generation to generation, and now people are trying to tell us that our forefathers were a disgrace. You know, the ones who gave their lives tilling frontiers in the cities, plains into skyscrapers, and turning deserts into gardens. We build on the shoulders of our forefathers. We don't trample on their graves. Because the old paths they cleared paved the way for us to greater heights. Small government, bold business, faithful families, as we build innovative companies, launch educational movements, build healthy churches, pubs, and businesses, and work with the same determinations our forefathers had to make our country more of what we know as This America. Join me as I go on a mission to find those 21st century pioneers who still believe in This America. On the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, I'm the Waterboy, and we got our boy Keith Daryl in the His House Campus. Drama. Campus Preacher. <laughs> Mr. Drama, Drama is in the building. <laughs> Drama is in the building. Campus Preacher. Yeah, he's he's been going around college campuses the last semester, and I, I think it's getting more violent for you, actually. Yeah, I think, I think it is. I, I think, think it is. It's increased. We'll talk about that. Well, don't be limited by restrictive networks like Keith. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, you're so close to tying that yeah. in well. And yeah. then, I like it, whatever it means. <laughs> there is another way, a biblical way, Samaritan Ministries. Say you have a medical need. You don't have to check and see what hospital is in your network or be concerned about the doctor being in network too. No, you just go to the hospital you choose and don't give a second thought as to what's in network and what's not. Because with Samaritan Ministries, you're in control of your health care. Afterwards, mm. fellow members pray for you, send, they, they pay for your medical bills, and then they leave, they, they, when they have a medical need, you'll do the same for them. That's what biblical healthcare sharing looks like. So check it out today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash CrossPolitik. Mm. Love having them back. What are you doing? <laughs> I was. Um, I was what were you at, doing, Keith? I, what is he doing on his computer? No, no. He's on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. Right here. It's a show title. You're good. <laughs> hey, it's it's great to have Keith back in the studio, and I, one of the reasons why I'm doing on Facebook. Bring you back in the studio. I wasn't on Facebook. Uh-huh. One of the reasons I was on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's better. Oh uh, man! For those um, of you who don't know, Keith Darrell is yeah. campus preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a podcast on the Fight Life East Network. Here That's there. your definition. Yeah, yeah. I do. How I do you define podcasts? In theory, <laughs> in yeah. theory, I have uh, one. I've I haven't been uh, productive on it. I, I, okay. okay, so this is. I think this is a sin. Mm-hmm. I think this is a sin. You need to repent. I'm glad we have we're, a pastor we're, here. We're gonna get <laughs> yeah. Because you should, you should be wearing a mic. And having a camera on you, every, yeah, roll your eyes like you know, because yeah, yeah, no, yeah. this is. I usually have a mic on me. Okay, I, I'm usually recording what I'm saying out there. So when I'm charged against crimes against humanity in the paper, I can be like, I didn't say that. But, but we don't but get I, to hear your preaching out there on the campus. The, the well, one of the challenges is like when the mic's here and the crowd's out there, you're kind of you're trying to get that dialed in so it sounds like a normal but, human being. Do your lips work? My lips work. Your your, your voice work. Sometimes you don't okay. know what Mike. So, you just so need a little I'm zoom just, clip, wait, man. Wait, wait, it, no, it adjusts I, for you. So then you okay. can repeat the question. So that the people on the mic can hear what the person's saying, right? Mm-hmm. We can do that. 
<laughs> I'm just wondering if it's possible. David will produce uh, we it. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do we need to do? I yeah. mean, I, yeah, I, I would love for you guys to come out and film something because even even things were like, uh, you know, I, I had that one camera that you've seen. Yes. Where it's like behind me. It's more like a security angle. Yes. I don't know how to set it up. It's a 3D. So, Touch me for any angle. I got you. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do need to figure it out because I, I do think. Well, and, and even my own hard part is like any sort of self-promotion of like you're preaching. So there's like, cause even like, I don't want the, I'm not Ben Shapiro trying to own the liberals. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to preach the gospel who don't believe the gospel and people are coming out. And part of the reason I love what I do is a bunch of people show up to go get the bleeping white male. Who's a racist, sexist, homophobe. I didn't know that about you. Who aren't going to step foot in campus crusade for Christ, RUF or one of these other campus ministries or the right. local church. Right. But then next thing you know, they hang out for two or three hours or asking questions. Yeah. And I get it. They love racist white men. Uh, they, they, so they, Keith they is a Christian nationalist. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they think. That's what yeah. they think. Yeah. That, that, that's the operating assumption. So I have that going for me, which helps draw people to me actually. Yeah. Well, you need to, that's you funny. need to be recording that. Whatever we need to figure out to get that done. It's okay. awesome. Yeah. So, Cause yeah. So Keith, um, you've been, uh, you've been out, uh, preaching. Yes, yeah, this since January. Yeah. Okay, this spring. Is this the first time out since all the COVID stuff? No, I, I've been out for the last two years. So last year was like pure chaos, almost like demonically insane. Like we would have huge crowds, but it really was like Paul and Ephesus. One would yell one thing, one would yell another, and no one knows why they had gathered. It really was yeah. like, wow. like people coming out of yeah. people coming out of COVID. They were they were in like really insane. Yeah. And this year, finally, what, what's really interesting was October was when I felt like starting hitting a groove of, of even myself communicating. So, you know, you show up things I would say pre COVID, I would say, instead of being hit with a five emotionally, they're like a nine or a 10 people just lose it. You could and, kind of feel the angst and the, the, the tension that it built wow. from being cooped up for a year. Or whatever. Yeah. And whatever that does to people yeah. and even just whatever they think is going on socially. But it was actually, I was at university of Kansas last October and a girl with the blue hair was just haranguing me. And I actually end up throwing high heat to get her to go away. I, that's what I thought. She said something about the Bible's being unjust because it allows you to stone an adulterer. And I say, actually, I think that's a great thing. Um, and the reason that, that is, because if we're willing to put the death of someone who commits treason against the state, how much more a man who commits treason against his family? Rips apart his wife, rips apart his kids, rips apart another family. And she just shut up and sat down for and listened for another two hours. And the thing that was like and like wow. and the thing that was amazing to me wow. is I was hoping go away. I'm so tired of dealing with you. Here, here you go. Because I thought I was all new. You're like, that's it. I'm just gonna preach harder. <laughs> basically, that was basically it. I will throw the ball harder now. And, and she, she sat like, down. That's the bait. She sat down and she was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear this wow. person. I want to hear this more. And wow. I then even as she sat down, but, I remember another girl sitting there. She brought up a patriarchy, just kind of went through. We all know we're in a patriarchy. Like, and that's why, and I said, I made the comment. That's why all the guys go after girls with daddy issues. And that's why 70, 80% of our men in jail come from fatherless homes. We all know we're in a patriarchy. It's either healthy or unhealthy. And it was amazing how like that sort of stuff. So I've, anyway, I've spent a lot more time actually just spending time on the fatherhood of God and his goodness. Mm. And it's amazing. All the people we have a tendency to think they'll never listen to us. It's kind of like, maybe there's something there. Maybe wow. maybe there's something there. Oh, wow. Pastor, what were you going to say? What were we going to say? Um, well, I was, I was, I was going to say something, but I, okay, I, just, I just, yeah, go. That, that hit go. you, to hit, right? It that hit me too. I just, I just. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Because that's unique. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I think we know our social fabric is disarrayed. And and even if you take like your, you know, the alphabet people who are coming out and they want to re-engineer the family, there's probably a reason for that. You know what I mean? Mm. And oftentimes yeah. it is because dad's not present. So Colorado State, maybe about a month ago, a girl just kept bringing up lesbianism, lesbianism. And I was like, can we just set that aside? And I was like, when you look at America, is it healthy? She's like, no. When you look at Colorado State, is it healthy? No. When you're laying in your bed, you're not debating with a preacher. Are you healthy? No. Okay. Now we can talk about wow. something. You know what I mean? Wow. And, and then from there, the number of people who come up, even young girl, at Oregon state on Thursday, this past Thursday, 
um, you know, problem of evil question. I was like, well, the main problem with the problem of evil, it's always personal. She's like, oh, I'm asking for a friend. That's yeah. literally the <laughs> always. Oh, yeah. Tell your friend. Always. Tell your friend. Uh, but basically, she grew up in the church and was abused. And so yeah. where is God's goodness right. when you're a five, six, seven-year-old girl and you're being abused right. by the church? Right. And that's yep. a perfectly reasonable thing. And, and I ended up just saying to her, I was like, you know, I don't think I have a good answer for you per se, but I, what I can tell you is I'm for you. More importantly, that God's for you. And she just ended up listening. And like, we just kind of went through, like there's either your suffering was absolutely meaningless or it was meaningful. Yeah, and right. yeah. uh, the, the hope of the gospel is that God's sovereign over all of it. And so even in our suffering, I went through Joseph and then also Jesus, that our life is now meaningful, even amidst suffering. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, wow. And you're, and you're finding though, that, 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 that is resonating. Yeah, that's it. Honestly, it's, uh, uh, even more so this semester, the goodness and the fatherhood of God and just, pa and honestly, like when we do apologetics, like, so, so if I can offer maybe a mild critique of, we immediately hop to Romans one, they suppress the truth of God and righteousness. Yeah. So like when we're like, when I'm dealing evangelism, there's kind of, you know, world, the flesh and the devil are yeah. things work. And in a reform circles, we have a tendency to be like, Oh, the whole problem is the flesh. And so okay. as far as establishing a point of contact, oftentimes with people, I'm going after the world right now. So, so there is an aspect mm. of the whole culture that is, has corrupted you and is lying to you. Yeah. And so how do we untie these lies and laying out, if you're coming from an abusive home, and I've probably told this story before, this was the beginning of like it making sense to me. I was up in Massachusetts years ago preaching and I had breakfast with these guys. I was like, I can't preach with these guys. They're just so hard at breakfast. And we were, we were like, they were, and I, I, they just came out. I mean, they were just, and the harder they were, the more holy they thought, you know what I mean? Just kind of that okay. vibe. Okay. So I, we were like three blocks away. Then we went up to where they were preaching and the guy kind of uh, started preaching. I remember just as he was preaching, I just remember thinking, I guarantee he was abused growing up. And Jesus is the older brother that steps in and takes the beating. So I go up to his friend and I was like, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. Talk to his friend a little bit. He goes, man, this guy has an amazing testimony. He grew up an orphan. He was beaten, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, oh, I could have told you that because the whole wrath of God wow. is dad coming home, beating the hell out of the children. Uh -huh. And the older brother kind of steps in. It's like, okay, so Jesus loves you, but the God, the father is just like, mm. got the itchy trigger finger. You know what I mean? He wow. wants to get you. Yeah, yeah. And then I race across the country and there's a giant billboard that just said, I'll never be angry with you again, God. And I remember at that point, just kind of think how... Like, yeah, if you're coming from that context of an abusive home, you don't have a proper understanding for the wrath of God. Yeah. So how I've pivoted in my preaching, which I think is bearing fruit, is even if I'm going to talk about the wrath of God, it's because he's loving. It's because uh -huh. he's a good father that protects uh -huh. his home. And it's not a capricious being right. flying off the handle. It just wants to get people. It's in the context of love. Yeah. So it's in the context of, of uh, being for his people mm -hmm. and for salvation. It's in that context. Then you yeah. say, yeah, d d but don't you, don't you fight for the things that you love? Yeah. Aren't you angry about the things that harm the people mm -hmm. that you love? Mm -hmm. So shouldn't God? Yeah. And it, yeah. And so yeah. You know? yeah. 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 And, and we get it. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause even if there was somebody standing there on campus, there's a guy and a girl and they're dating. I said, if I was to attack her, what would I do? I'd kick your, kick yeah. your butt. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because you love her because you hate. And, and even that aspect, like love is difficult when there's real evil in the world. You know I mean, right. love's easy when we're all getting together, but right. how do we love our enemies? And it's, when someone comes in to harm your family, right. the love of a father uh, will compel mm. him to protect and right. pour his wrath out. So any aspect of God's wrath has to be set in the backdrop of creation, God's goodness. Right. So it's not like, so even just showing up, start preaching about hell, um, this is even going back 40 years ago, Francis Schaeffer, like they don't have a context they, for hell. Yeah, right. yeah, and, and so right. if, you're, if you're giving hellfire and brimstone preaching to people who are like, what is he talking about? You know what I mean? What is he yeah. like? You can present God 
as being unjust, basically. And what we do want to do is vindicate God's justice. Right. Even like the adultery thing, I started off like, why is this a good thing? You know what I mean? It's not because God's capricious. He loves the family. Right. And he loves that which is good. Isn't the family worth protecting? Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, so, you know, there was a time, I think, probably in the early 2000s, where the postmodern um, stuff starts seeping through, postmodernism starts seeping through in the college campus. I don't know if you remember that era where it was the first time where you saw somebody say, I don't believe in truth. And you're like, what? Except for that statement, right? Like, well, no, that could not be true either. What about that one? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody was like, that's weird. That's not really going to survive in this world. And it started just mushrooming out and just coming huge. Our apologetic changed, right? And it got better. Do you think our apologetic is changing now so that we're understanding uh, being able to speak better into a broke because right now with fatherhood, father hunger is a forefront of everything. Mm-hmm. I've never seen so many people having the conversation. Well, if you fix the family, you fix everything else. I'm like, you're you're an atheist and a pagan. Why are you guys saying that? Yeah. It's the first time I've seen that where it's permeating everything. Do you think our apologetic is getting better? Where we're able to say, oh, this is a great opportunity to lay out the Godhead and the culture and the way it's supposed to be or. Is that really the collapse of society? Uh, Well, I think I I think our society's collapse. I don't think our apologists getting better from the standpoint that doubling down, in a sense, on the intellectual component of the gospel, and and it's hard to lay out because. Uh, yeah, like, cause this is almost like more counseling, if that makes sense. It's like really listening to people and like, even, you know, it's an easy layup, but, oh, my friend, you know, I'm asking a question about my friend. Like, yeah. this is all personal. You know right. what I mean? And so when people are asking you a question, trying to understand out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when they ask me about the resurrection of Jesus, that might be an intellectual question, but when they're asked about the problem of evil and they bring up certain mm-hmm. things, like, how do you know? And yeah. the justice of God, like these are all personal things. And so if, you know, if I have a major gripe with Toby and it like, and I'm, I'm making an accusation to his children about him, you're just like, okay, what is really going on here? And and I think, so I think we're failing in apologetics from the standpoint that often we like, it's almost like just addressing the question rather than, okay, what's driving the yes. person that they're raising yeah. this objection. And, and so like, and, That's what and, I mean. Yeah, because yeah. the presupposition apologetics, you know, we get into it, we understand what the presuppositions are, and then we argue about the presuppositions. And what I've started to understand is like mm. me understanding presuppositional apologetics isn't necessarily for the other person. It's actually for me to be able to create a rhetoric that points them to a place that's like, oh, I, you know, like I was uh, arguing with somebody before about they said they don't believe in, in God. They don't believe there's anything they can't see. They had a girlfriend. Well, the presupposition is like, so the love that you have for her isn't real. And so I said, well, what would you feel about if she had started having um, a relationship with another guy? Oh, I would be upset. Well, what? there's nothing real between y'all, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter. And all of a sudden he was like, well, hold on. I don't, I don't like that reality. And, and so I was able to use that to communicate to him that what he was saying really wasn't true without... Well, you believe in truth because you just made a truth statement. That's yeah. one, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and that totally misses them. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it really is almost like she's talking another language. And even one of the things I've, I've found is very rarely do I debate the existence of God. It's all, what is God like and can I trust him? So I spent mm. a lot of time in First mm. John 1. God is light. In him, there is no darkness. And your mom and dad and your friends and the guy that used you and the girl that whatever, like there's darkness in them. Yahweh's not that way. He's pure light and he can be trusted. And I feel like much of what I'm seeking to do is much more, again, just going back to the character of God. Because it's, it's interesting. Very rarely do I have a debate, does God exist? Yeah. Um, there might be like that truth component, but everybody, I mean, even that, like they all know they're making truth claims and stuff right, like that. Right, but right, but right. it goes back to that personal component. Like nobody cares that two plus two equals four. 
Um, cause that's an abstraction, but the minute your budget doesn't add up, everybody cares about two plus two equals four. So when we're showing up thinking that they just want to learn math and we're trying to answer that, you're like, you're totally missing cause their budget's not going to work at the end of the month. Right. And that's what they're really worried about. And so how do we address all of that? And that, I feel like that's much more of what I'm seeking to do. Talk, to talk a little bit more about, I, I really, I found it fascinating. You, you broke out a little while ago, the world, the flesh and the devil and said, you know, a lot of times maybe presuppositionalists camp out on flesh. And then you said you've been focusing more on the, the world. Mm -hmm. what, um, can you flesh that out a little bit more just in terms of like, what, what are those categories? Um, how do they help you think about addressing the needs of college campuses? Yeah, really good question. Cause it's, it's this. So when your, your average student on campus generally does not think the problems them, it's somehow systemic. And right. so oftentimes conservatives are like, Oh no, systemic problems. No, there's systemic problems. Right, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. And, 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 and there are, and there are bad laws and we have, and right. we do have bad structures. And so as a Christian, yeah, like it's, it's, I think I'm basically stealing this from John Framer, maybe Rush Dooney is that the, the, one of the main problems with idolatry is the unbeliever absolutizes something in creation rather than kind of having some level of harmony, harmony between uh, the world, the flesh and the devil. And, and like, it's difficult to, to be like, okay, which one's which and stuff like that. And oftentimes as I'm interacting with somebody, like I was at Oklahoma a few weeks ago and you're just like, this dude's demonic. You know, it, so it's demon possessed. And so wow. it's kind of like listening to him. And, and one of the things in that context was just the pure blasphemies coming out of his mouth and attack on God's character. You're just yeah. like, this is, this is a satanic attack. Mm. This is, I don't believe God exists and right. sinfulness. And he just loves his lust. So as I'm, so when I look at my culture, I see them broadly willing to grant systemic problems. And as Christians, I'm like, yeah, that's the world. And there yeah. are systemic problems yeah. that, and there are gods over that, that abuse you, lie to you and stuff like that. So to me, that's my point of contact. And then from there, it's, it's interesting because even once you begin to lay that out and you almost get an audience, then you kind of even just ask them like, you know, if instead of me being out here preaching, if your thoughts are being projected up here for the world to see, is, is anybody going to walk by and be like, you're a fantastic person? And they're often like, no, you know what I mean? So, so, but, but and instead of just attacking them there, right. it's like, Hey, here's our point of contact. And, and oftentimes they have been used and abused right. by the world. Right. And, and so, I see. And, and even what we're seeking to do, like even believing in truth, it's, it's like the truth sets you free when you're willing to grasp the realities of even like the lies that you've bought into. And, and like, if, if you go to a bunch of pagans who've been abused, there's the, you know, the world of flesh and devil are all conspiring against the Lord and we're coming along, we're trying to pick this thing apart. Like yeah. it's a lot of work, but at the same time, it's rewarding work because we can show them that no, once you're willing to admit the truth, you can actually be free from ABCFG, all these things that are using and abusing you yeah. that are actually lies. The truth sets you free from that. Right. You can be free men and women. Right. And there, there really is like, even like in Revelation, I think it's 21 or 22, where it talks about the trees with healing yeah. um, for the nations. It's yeah. just like, I'm going to you guys with healing. And I feel like oftentimes, especially when I was younger in the Lord, the preacher was much more like, yeah. get your act it was almost like, get your act together. Right. It wasn't yeah. so much the healing yeah. of the Lord. So that's kind of been a little bit of the pivot that I've- So the world, kind of the world is, a, by connection point, you're saying um, you, can, you can find a place with, that's relatively quickly you can agree with kind of like common them. ground almost. yeah where, where the, like yeah. like you know and and their the categories that are being used about systemic whatever mm -hmm. racism or oppression or the patriarchy or those kinds of things um you can use that as a, as a starting place to agree that there's evil yeah and then from there begin to expand that category of evil, which includes the flesh, includes the devil, yep. includes, they have personal sin. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, their, their thoughts have not all been pure. If we project them out on, on a screen, is everybody going to think you're a great person? Um, but by doing that, 
um, then then you're setting up like, so what are we going to do about this evil? Yeah. And and that's what, and, and even just something like a basic rhetoric I'll almost every day is, I don't care if you're right wing, left wing, everybody knows the world's broken. And, and what yeah. I'm offering up is, uh-huh. here's the root issue. You know what I mean? Really? And the remedy is actually a crucified Messiah. You know what I mean? Yeah. A, a, a Jew that was hung upon a tree. And even mm-hmm. one of the things I've been bringing up a little bit, cause like the closest thing we have in our culture that would bring like the shame of the cross would be like the lynching tree. Yeah. And so like, you know, imagine a black man going like, you know, the hope of the world's that man who was lynched on a tree. You're kind of mm-hmm. like, how's that going to fix yeah. these race relations right. and stuff like that? Right. I'm going out there saying this murdered Jew 2000 years ago, uh, his death, his burial, his resurrection is yeah. fixing yeah. all these things that we've turned on its head. And, and so that's what we're constantly trying to, kind of and, what, what, and what's the, what, what's some of the, resp- I mean, what's the response? I mean, I know you've been giving us uh, several other things, but I mean, when you get to that point, you say, okay, it's this lynching tree. Yeah. It's this crucified Jew on a, on a Roman cross. What, what do you, what are you getting yeah, in but, response? Yeah. And, and like, I am trying to like make it harsh. I'm like a murdered Jew. And yeah. it is a like, yeah. like, and they're like, that's so harsh. It's like, yeah, the remedy, the sin is harsh. Right. You know what I mean? yeah. And, and what is amazing is again, I don't want to paint a rosy picture. There's plenty of people that don't like me, but what I found is like people listen, they, they know something's deeply wrong. And, hmm. and more so than I feel like 20 years ago, it's almost yeah. like COVID did. It just, it like, it really screwed up the world, but it's like, it, it, I don't know. I just feel like people are more aware of sin you know, brokenness is, is probably their only category, but yeah. like something's deeply wrong. So what I've generally found is more people, I, I think is, this has been the most fruitful year in some time. And particularly wow. with even like say queer individuals, particularly yeah. um, they in general, you know, they give you a lot of pushback, but if you're willing to listen to them and you're willing to persevere with them and not immediately jump to, you know, level 10 confrontation, right. you, you find that like, that they they know something's wrong. You know what I mean, right. they're literally right. mutilating their bodies. Right. You know I mean? right. they're, they're, they're they're totally yep. they're, they're right. totally broken in some regard, and right. and they see it, and that's why they're so like pining for. Please accept me. Please right. accept me because right. everything's messed up. And we come along like, no, we can, we can't, we can, and there's actually a remedy for you. You know right. what I mean? And yeah. and and from there, even the harshness of dealing with the reality of what they've. Experience in their life, like you can come into that truth. You know what I mean? Of of speaking that what happened to you was evil. It was evil. Yeah, yeah. It was plain, right. unadulterated evil. And the and way Christians, forward, and Christians can do that in a way that no one else can. Yeah, right. like no, no. It's like this is like right. this is not yeah. just kind of evil. This is not just relatively evil. This like is, it's this is absolutely evil. Yeah. And you know it. Yeah, all you the way and know. the person yeah. who did that, God's wrath rests on us. Yes. And right. uh, remember a few years ago, who's the gymnast? Um, that that doctor that abused all those gymnasts. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nasser, Larry, uh, Larry Nasser, Larry Nasser. And if you remember, one of the dads was like, can I have five minutes with him? Judge like, can't do that. Gets him down like 30 seconds. Judge like, I can't do it. He bolts to go after him. And even the cops tackle him. They're holding down. And they're all saying, we understand. We understand. And like when the wrath of God is presented in that way of Mm. a guy who's protecting. No. Mm. And we and they can understand that. And we can sit there. and No, the person who did that. God's wrath rests on him. And yet the hard part is there's also a gospel for that person. You know what I mean? And and that's where that's where it all gets. For both of you laying on the floor, the cops surrounding you and and him. Uh I I remember uh, meeting a guy on campus a number of years ago when I was out preaching and took him out um, actually to the bagel shop here in town and and and. this kind of really, really rough background, philosophy major, but, you know, sort of, sort of smart guy, but just really, really rough. I remember asking him the question. I said, you know, so if, um, you know, some little kid gets murdered, um, and I was, I was pressing the, the, the notion of justice, and I, but I just said, you know, at what point um, will, would you tell the family of the little kid that was murdered, okay, justice has been served? At what point would you say it's done? It's finished? And he said, I don't know. 
That's a great mm-hmm. question. I have no, I have no idea. That's a great question. Right? I have no idea, but it, but it's like because like wh- what are you measuring it mm-hmm. against? Right. What's what's the life of this little one worth? <laughs> worth? Yeah. And at what point would you say you know? So if you, I mean, if the justice system says twenty years, if the justice system says life in prison, I mean, I mean, what, at what point would you say it's justice has been served? But I think I when think justice raises that kid from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> But, but I think, you know, and, and you, you know, you could say, or, or, you know, um, forgiveness, I mean, uh, you know, ask a question about, about forgiveness. Like, you know, what, um, when are things put back right? Yeah. You know? when, mm-hmm. when are things put back right? And I, but I, I think those kind of very, very practical, um, situations make it like, again, back to your point about like two plus two is four, like nobody really cares about in, in, in principle, right. in the abstract. But as soon as it has to do with, well, what about your kid? Yeah. yeah. Are, and, and that's what the, and the gospel's personal. The universe yeah. is personal. And that, that's the problem with the problem of evil is it's personal. And even our own sin is yeah. we're going to be judged for it. And we're knowing the fear of the word we seek to persuade men. And, and that's, I think where our, our apologetic always needs to like, how do we go to this person and yeah. bring the gospel to them? And obviously there's an element where I'm publicly preaching. It's not absolutely personalized to everybody out there, sure. but, but you have that element of, I am trying to get into like nitty gritty of real world sin and not well, just an abstraction of, yeah. of truth. Good. It That's gets good. there Personal. pretty quick. I've, I mean, been out there, I've been out there a lot. haven't been out there recently, but been out there it gets personal real quick, mm-hmm. especially when they want to use argumentation about like, well, I was the one abused, right? right. And then they start going through. So it can go from like a huge general yeah. crowd conversation to like yeah. a personal counseling session where you need a couch. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it uh-huh. does get there. And, and it does. And it's, and that's kind of the hard thing. A girl brought that up at Oregon last week. And I'm like, well, there's no good answer I can give out here, but I will tell you this. I kind of went through the Joseph story of, of like, you know, yeah. if, if, you, if you come to faith in Christ, you, you can step back and say the people who did this, you did mean it for evil, but God meant it for good. And even one of the things interesting kind of, the personal aspect, I was walking off campus and a guy, as I'm walking by, he just says, I wish I could chain you to the back of my truck and drag you. And he's just kind of like, like, I'm not <laughs> are black. You from Texas? Are you from Texas? Was, was it that bad? And, but like, but like, what would make a guy say that? You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. honestly, like, I don't think Did I Did he really wanted, tell you that? Yeah. He said that to me. And, and it was amazing. Wow. You know, everything about the guy reeked of Oregon. So, you know, he's progressive, you know, he's open, you yeah. know, and like, but at the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it is like an amazing wow. thing. We're just like, but like, but like, and from there, like, you know, I didn't, I don't think I was provocative in return, but I don't think I had a good gospel answer. I, I kind of wish I would have been like, what are you doing now? You want to go get a beer? Like, you know, and just yeah. heat hot coals on his head. Yeah. And because I had a buddy of mine and what made me think of it was, is one of those things like right afterwards in, in, in college, I remember uh, some guys like, I don't know why they want to try to fight my friend. He just, he's like, I'll be right back. He ran into uh, Wendy's and bought them all Frosties and comes out, starts sharing the gospel with them. Like, I'm never, they're like, I'm never challenging anybody to a fight again because they might tell me about Jesus. <laughs> so, so I do wish, I do wish that would have been much more of my response. Like, hey man, what are you doing now? You want to go, go get, get a, a Frosty? So, uh, <laughs> um, knowing how things have progressed, since the early 2000s, we now have the culture that we have. We saw it on the camp, college campuses first, and voila, we're in this whole new world. All those kids now are in politics. Right. All those kids now are your doctors, surgeons, and leading trans movements mm. all over the place. Right. right. As you look at the college campus now, what do you see that's coming <laughs> What's next? What's coming next? Um, it can only be more chaos. Like, I, I don't, because right now I just feel like it's so. It's so chaotic that it's hard to identify like even the intellectual roots of where they are. Like there, there's no cohesion, right. even from day to day, campus to campus. So say last Tuesday was great at Oregon, next day totally chaos at Oregon. And so what like it's it's hard to even identify like what's driving them intellectually. It is more and more kind of just um that, that splintering component of 
of, of just some sort of identification. You know what I mean? A, a more, what's that word? Intersectionality is, is kind yeah. of the thing. They're, they're finding new intersections of oppression kind of going down. Yeah. But I don't know what it's going to look like on a cultural level because you are like, how far can this rubber band expand before it has to snap back? And I feel like it has to. Yeah. But it's it's just not. I, I would have thought it was ten years ago it had a snap yeah, back, and it's still right. not snap well, back. So, right. I mean, I and if I had to if I had to guess, I think it's going to get more chaotic. Like the, the point that you're making, because if there's nothing holding it together, there's no cohesion. I mean, for so long we've been living off of we've been living off of Christian capital, mm-hmm. and so even when people were saying crazy things, they didn't actually live consistently with their, 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 what they were saying. They mm-hmm. believed, um, but more and more people are just actually swallowing the whole reductio. And saying no, nothing holds together. Yeah, um, nothing really is. You know, we we create our own reality. We we make our own our own meaning to mm-hmm. life, which it, which it makes the world fly apart. And um and that chaos can only um turn into more mobs. I mean, I, I think my guess is that what we saw in the post um, George Floyd riots, the Chaz in Seattle or whatever mm-hmm. it was Chop or whatever it was called, uh, the burning down the police stations. What happened in Minneapolis? I think that's I think that's the preview. Yeah, I think that's the preview to the main event. Um, and then what happens? I mean, historically, what happens is in the in the in the course of that kind of chaos, um, suddenly everybody becomes open to a dictator. Yeah, yeah. someone so, someone a, a, a tyrant. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is strong man. This is yeah. why early American the, the early American fathers. Um, um, despised the word democracy. As far as they were concerned, democracy was um, the equivalent of anarchy. Democracy, mob rule. That's what mm-hmm. they thought of. When they, yeah. and, and if you read Greek history, the Greek city-states that actually did democracy lasted like, they were like very um, insta- unstable, <laughs> and they almost immediately hu- ushered in a dictator. Right. Um, and so they read the Greek city-states history and said, that's why you shouldn't do democracy. Um, as soon as you have, so what happened with the French Revolution? You have French Revolution, you have chaos, a bunch of beheadings, they burn down the hierarchy, and then what happens? Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte yeah. mm-hmm. right. yeah. comes right in. You got the Russian Revolution, what happens? And Napoleon was a grace. Yeah, we go. I mean, well, I mean, it's. It, I mean, compared to what? Well, I mean, and 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 you know, John Calvin or Martin Luther, one of them would, would have you know said that you know sometimes it's, it's, it'd be better yeah. to live under uh, right. you know, Calvin, yeah. um, this uh, you know uh, Muslim despot yeah. than than uh, you know Christian anarchy or yeah. whatever. It's like there there's a uh, there are trade offs, but I don't think we should one one or the other. And I think that's what. We, but I think that's likely what's yeah. happening is we've got chaos, more chaos coming apart from Reformation, apart from the gospel changing hearts. Um, but I do think at the same time, um, like you're talking about, Keith, there's something about that desperation, the kind of desperation that is um, mutilating bodies, the kind of desperation that is just desperate to find identity, find meaning um, that I think makes people um, particularly um, open to the gospel. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's like, I mean, it, it's like the woman who's taken medicine from all the doctors and, and she's not getting better and she only gets worse. <laughs> it's like, no, but we're literally medicating kids literally medicating them with hormone treatments and all the rest of it. And it's not getting better. It's only getting worse. And you know, and the, and the statists say, Hey, let me give you a little bit more medicine. Let me give you a more, little bit more hormone treatment. Let me give you, you know, I've got a new surgery. I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know, I can cut off, cut off your genitals. Um, this will make you feel, um, more like yourself. And it, it really is, I think an opening yeah. to, to say, you know what the, the root cause of this is that you've been separated from your father. You, you, you're in rebellion against the father who made you and uh, he sent his son for you to make you whole.
Mm-hmm. I, I think there's something there. Yeah, that's, that's and potent. I think a lot of the things that we kind of talk about, just, you're just you're more broadly reformed, like even resurrection of the body, like like that that heals so much. Like once you realize that God created the heavens and the earth, God Himself became a man. He meets us in bread and wine. Once the physicality of all that, because even what's one thing that was interesting last week was the trans students were bringing up, well, my soul is female. So so you know, yeah. I mean, they had this yeah. radical dichotomy. Yeah. They're no longer materialists. Yeah, they're, Gnostics. Yeah, they're no longer materialists. So right. twenty years ago, when you're dealing with materialists, you're having yeah. a different conversation. Right. Yeah. And uh, Whereas two spirit, yeah, two spirit, and <laughs> and now we're coming along like, and even when I'm out there more, it is preaching the resurrection, and even at Oregon, it was, it was funny because I was like, "What well, a girl, are you going to heaven?" I was like, "Well, actually, what I end up believing in is the resurrection body." And she's like, "What?" Like yeah. she didn't know how to make sense of that, and right. so yeah. even like those sorts of things, as we're preaching the gospel, and you know, how did they conquer the Roman Empire? This yeah. Christ, whom you crucified, was resurrected on the third day. He yeah. ascended to heaven. He has all authority, and pounding at home and as you're talking, this is kind of going back a little bit, because one thing that's crazy on the chaos coming on the pike is now they're just like, oh yeah, abortion's murder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like five yeah. years ago, yeah. Yeah, five years ago, it was like, it's yeah. a choice, it's not a life. Now yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah it is, yeah. but we kill people at times. Yeah. Yeah. And and so anyway, right. that's one of the yeah. uh, crazy things. Yeah. But yeah, and I do think like, again, I'm a street preacher, so I'm, I'm throwing high heat, but I think, communities that are really gracious because I think a lot of these people just do, they do need to spend time with you. You know what I mean? You got to invite them into dinner. Like I always think Rosario Butterfield, which talks about having 500 meals with a guy. Like, are you willing to have people over 500 times and share the gospel with them? Or do you think I got to get it done overnight? You know what I mean? I'm a street preacher. I'm kind of hyper evangelism in that way. But I think, how does the average Christian get involved? Like, you're not going to be a street preacher, so what can you do? Can you can you make a meal? Can you invite your neighbors That's over? Right. Yeah. Can you let the other neighbor's kids play in your front yards and get to know the neighborhood around right. you? And then from there, and still dictate on your grounds, like, I would be hesitant to send my kids over to other people's homes, no, but sure. let them all come to your home, yeah. share the gospel mm-hmm. with them, and and I, and I like, even the stability of your home, yes. um, yeah, like, all the things that we talk about, husbands love your wives as Christ love the church, why? Like, even that is such a testimony to all these kids who are coming from unstable homes, Homes, Titus right. and the instability. Yeah, right. So, like, the, once you have a full orbed gospel and Christianity and view of redemption, and you're teasing these things out, because even uh, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but there, it was interesting. Even I, I was being asked all these questions at Colorado State, and just just kind of like even just a typological view of the world. Like when I look at trees, I'm thinking of like how I can grow into maturity in Christ. When I'm looking at a rock, I'm considering God and His character. The whole world is that, and it was amazing how many people just want to listen to that. Yet, like, yeah. and, and so Christian cosmology. Come yeah, on now. just sit there and immerse yourself Be- because in it. you have a unified worldview. Mm-hmm. Because in Christ, everything coheres. Holds really together. Everything yeah. holds together. And in a world that's flying apart. People want, people I mean, know it, it's not it's, right. Like, <laughs> even if it's like a weird language or a completely like you're like an alien from another planet, it's like that's a very different worldview. Mm-hmm. Like there's like they have nothing holding anything yeah. together. And, and how do we do it? Actually, one thing was kind of funny. A, a guy who was, he was a trans, I mean, just abusive language at me. Like the, yeah. the stuff coming out of his mouth was unbelievable. Mm. But he ended up saying that uh, according to the Bible, you're allowed to beat your wife. And I was like, it doesn't, but it's an easy defeater. All you got to do is quote the verse. And um, he ends up quoting uh, Ephesians 5, wives submit to your husband. And I was like, well, that's not what it teaches. But I'm reading through the whole thing, and I don't remember the exact word, but it's like, and you know, who, who basically Christ gave himself for the church, splendor, honor, glory. And I just looked at him, I was like, is this the way your dad loved your mother? Yeah. Did, your, did your dad love your mother in a way that she was helping? And it, like, they were just quiet. Yeah. And they just listened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, that's what yeah. your dad was called to do to your mom. Yeah. And, right. and, it, and it's just amazing. Like, even yeah. that's gospel to people. Right. Like, we think yeah. we hate submission, uh-huh. um, but how do we preach the gospel? Get brings up oh no edgy text submission well it says yeah. something about the gospel right. and and what all we have look to do like? yeah what does it look like is all we have to do is embrace it and the beauty of mother. that and every not, maybe not every but the majority of students they want that they yeah. want a dad who held their mom up in honor and glory and respected mm. her and stuff like mm. that and so that, mm. their, their conscience yeah, is going so back good. and forth like yeah. 
I need to escape God, but yeah. I want his order. So. I remember one time I was at U of I, was preaching and then uh, walked up there a couple, I was, you know, there's tons of bad weather here. So it's, sometimes all you, you just preach to the smokers, you know, there's like t- <laughs> five smokers outside because they still go outside. Because they're yeah. bearing the weather. There's there yeah. there like these three guys, they're smoking and I walk up to them after I finished preaching for a minute. And this one guy has a shirt on that says, I love, um, I think it said meth and the devil. That's like, that's what his, his shirt literally said. I love meth and the devil, um, something like that. And, uh, and, and I just, you know, I, I asked him, you know, Hey, what'd you guys think of the preaching? Oh, it was fine. It was fine. It was just real like lame. And I, and I looked at the guy with the shirt and I just said, how's your relationship with your dad? Mm-hmm. And he like went off just like, just boom, F bombs yelling at me. Like, what are you? Th- and just, Mar- and just charged wow. off. Yeah. And, and I, I, all I did, I, all I asked him was, how's your relationship with your dad? <laughs> And you knew wow. that because of his shirt. Yeah, but he was like, he was like, I mean, to the shirt, might as well have said, I have, I have daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, you know, I hate my dad. My dad hates me. I yeah. mean, that's that's basically what that means. Well, and here's what's crazy. You know, I've got a number of friends who are public school teachers, and all the kids that are transitioning in their pet and their in their in their classes, yeah, have broken families. Yeah, of course they do. All of them do. Yeah, of course they. And do. we've had this father hunger problem for decades, right. and yeah. it's just getting worse. Mm-hmm. It's not getting any better because we aren't turning to the gospel. We aren't turning to what is actually going to solve the fatherhood father issue. And fathers aren't repenting. Right. Right. Like that's like, yeah. yeah. And, and so, so what's next fathers, yeah. you know, you're going to, you're going to bastardize your children. You're going to break down your families. What are you going to hand over your kids to next? Right. Yeah. yeah like they're, they're, just, they're cutting themselves, cutting their bodies up. Right. What's next. But that right. just means our job's really easy though right. now yeah. because a, a man who loves his wife, like you say, is that how, your dad treated your mom. He knows that wasn't it, and yeah. he wanted it. Right. And that's when we know that that's what they really want. And so some this is like, I keep thinking Titus 3, the, the light that shines forth out of the home really is the best argument that we really do have. Yeah. Everybody's like, I want that. Yeah. I wish I had that. Yeah. I'm hungry for that. And being able to have the 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 wisdom to be able to say, I know that's what you want, and you get that in repentance through yeah. Christ— it makes our job so easy to be able to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. Keith, what's the, I'm sorry, were you going to say something else? I was, I was just going to say too, I mean, I think one of the things to keep in mind in all this is, is and I know you, you deal with all this, Keith, but I think for people to remember, the, I mean, there is the, that world, flesh, and devil thing, I, I think is really helpful um, way of thinking about it. And I think it, it kind of, it, it coalesces well or, or, or kind of um, um, connects well with, um, Pastor Doug's always made a distinction between um, apostles of the yeah. world and refugees of the world. Yep. Um, the there are apostles, and they're trying to convert you to their paganism. Um, and you know, and they they need they need the high heat. They they need um, the mockery of the prophets of Baal. And 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 we need to protect our children and our families from the apostles. But you have to recognize that a whole bunch of these trannies, a whole bunch of these alphabet, um, you know, whatever um, groupies. Um, really are refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of, you know, they really have been um, mistreated by their dads, by their parents. They There was adultery in their home. There was abuse in their home. And they're grasping in all the wrong ways um, for security, meaning yeah. hope, life, and all the rest of it. And we really do need to be ready to... Um, to come alongside them yeah. and and welcome them in. And, and it's going to be messy. It's going to be, it's going to be really messy. Yeah. Um, and, but and, we've got to do that. And uh, having that element, like I, I just think of, I've, I've only said it a couple of times, not that it just becomes a cliche you roll out to people, but like, you know, just looking someone in the eye, like I'm not against you. Right. Cause like their whole assumption is like, I hate them. You right. know what I mean? And, and the subtle irony is they hate us. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> right, right. But, and I'm like, no, I really don't. I'll take y'all out to dinner. I don't care what it is. And, and like, and it's, a, it's been, in, a, in, I don't know, impressive is not the right word. But I've been sh- surprised at how just like 
how that just lets down their arms. Like, yeah. oh wow, he's not against right. me. He's willing yeah. to sit here, yeah. talk to me, hang out. And that's what and that's what we need in yeah. the gospel. And if we're not willing to do that, and I think that's where some of the sometimes like you know before the show we talked a little bit some of the national stuff. I feel like we want to get somewhere where it's like, yeah. and if these people are in our way, we just got to run them over. Where it's like, yeah. no, we got to. Bring them on board right. in repentance and the faith. Fir- the first time I've told the story before on the show, but but it actually connects with what you just said. But the first time I met you um, was on campus, U of I. Mm-hmm. You were preaching. We hadn't met yet, and my my um, assistant Ryan Hannerman, who's now associate pastor at Trinity, um, had gone ahead of me, and you'd met him, and and he, and he texted me, and he said, "There's another there's another <laughs> preacher here. I was going to go over there to preach," and I was like, "Oh no, there's another preacher there." I, I mean, oh great. <laughs> and I get there, and you're preaching, and you got a crowd, and and you know, and, you're, and they're a little worked up, and. And then, uh, and then Keith all of a sudden goes like this, and he, he motions to me, and I'm like, oh great! I was just thinking about sitting it out. I was going to let it. I was, I was, I was let Keith have it, and he starts motioning to me. I'm like, oh great, here we go. So I walk over there, and, and Keith says, I gotta go to the bathroom. Take over. <laughs> and Keith runs into the library and leaves me to the sharks yeah. leaves, in the middle of the fight. In the middle of it. In the middle of it. And it was like, and I had probably preached open air preached like I don't know, like five times by that point. So like I was brand new. I was still like completely yeah. terrified of the whole thing. I jump in, do my best, but one of the guys is yelling at me and just, you're just here because you hate us. You're here because you're here. Get the F off our campus. We don't want you here. And I just, I said, no, I'm not. I'm a pastor. I live in this town and I'm here because I care about you. I said, what's your name? He said, I'm not telling you my name. I said, come on, tell me your name. And he, my name's John. Fine. I'm like, John, can I take you out for a beer? And he's, he's like, uh, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> I, I said, yeah. I said, I want to take you out for a beer after this. I said, okay. And, and we did. Wow. I went. I went to his house actually, uh-huh. and had a beer out out front of his house, and <laughs> um, around a campfire. And um, turned out um, we had a bunch of connections. Like his do- his daughter was in my son's class at Logos. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small town. Whoa. It's a small town. That can happen. Keith, what's your website? When's your next podcast? www.campuspreacher.com. www.campuspreacher.com. And then my next podcast. I got, this I got week. Some, yeah, this week. I'll drop one in the hop. You heard it here. <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. It is the duty of the free man to resist tyranny at every turn. Every man will either watch his freedom stripped away or take action to protect what he loves. Introducing the A3, the newest revolutionary body armor from Armored Republic. The A3 is the new standard for lightweight multi-hit body armor. A3 plates are incredibly light at 4.6 pounds. The patented design captures fragmentation while remaining multi-hit capable. The A3 will stop up to M80 ball, yet comes in at only 0.7 inches thick. The A3 is the thinnest NIJ.06 compliant or certified composite standalone plate that includes the drop test. The A3 is the first of its kind, patent pending, that combines an alloy strike face with polyethylene backing, revolutionizing body armor technology by providing strength and durability while remaining sleek and maneuverable. The A3 is the new standard in lightweight body armor. The fight against tyranny just got stronger. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow. 
Through the Spirit, God's Word changes lives. It cuts us to the heart and reshapes us. As you strive to read and study Scripture, having a good set of tools can help. From setting reminders for a great reading plan, to word studies and commentaries that shed light on difficult passages, to listening on the go, the Olive Tree Bible app can help you dig into the Word wherever you are. Olive Tree Bible app. Read, study, listen, anywhere.